Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sneaky Sports Podcast, Season 4, Episode number 11 on this Monday, February 7th, 2022. Nick and Frank, how we doing on this NBA-led show for the first time since August 6th? I actually went back in the doc. I was like, you know, when did we start with NBA? Or when's the last time we did start with NBA? And it's like a six-month, six-month kind of deal. Big NFL and NBA show. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, We haven't, you know, we haven't had it not be football season in so long. Obviously, we got the Super Bowl, but it's, you know, NBA season's heating up, getting closer to the playoffs, trade deadline. I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah, we're on like what week twenty nine of thirty in the NFL, so it's almost over. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's mm-hmm. almost over. So kind of transition phase, I guess now. Well, yeah, obviously we're not done yet. It's not like we're gonna start Monday after the Super Bowl with an NBA topic. That would be that would be something something else. But yeah, definitely switch to NFL for Thursday's episode previewing the Super Bowl, and then Monday's episode um recapping the big game, and then after that it's all NBA. But anyways, moving on to what we'll talk about in today's episode. Like we said, a big NBA pod will talk about if the Nets or the 76ers would become better in a Harden-Simmons swap, the Norman Powell and Karis LeVert trades. We'll discuss the hottest NBA trade rumors approaching the NBA's trade deadline, the biggest all-star snubs, and moving on to the NFL portion of the episode, we'll talk about the NFL coaching hires, and we'll wrap things up with some Mailbag Monday. So without further ado, let's dive on in, but wait. We cannot dive on in just yet. You guys know the drill. We have two more reviews to read to y'all. Appreciate you guys, you know, who drop reviews on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, I know there's no feature to do that just yet, but we appreciate you even if you're rating it five stars with no review. We got one more review on Spotify, so we're from 31 to 32. And on Apple Podcasts, we only have one more review as well, but we do have two comments, which is interesting. One new review, two comments. And let's get into them. Starting off with our, you know, I don't know, Bridger B. Um, they say, I don't know if it's a he or she, so I don't want to disrespect them. Um, they say, great podcast, found your channel at 8K subs on YouTube and haven't looked back since. Keep up the great work. We appreciate you. And our man, Liam Justin, he says, you guys are my all-time favorite podcast. I've rated you guys five stars on Spotify and now Apple Podcasts. So he did it both. We appreciate you. Those are the best kind, man. I mean, if you guys could do it both, I mean, that's that's more than enough. We just appreciate you watching. If you're gonna rate us five stars, that that would be even better. But um, yeah, just appreciate you guys, you know, watching the pod, taking the time out of your day to listen to this. Um, so yeah, um, moving on to obviously our first topic is the Nets and 76ers. So let let's pretend in a hypothetical world that the Nets get Ben Simmons. Um, and they don't get anything else. And the Sixers get James Harden. Obviously, I don't know how realistic this is. I know this is what Philadelphia and Daryl Morey want. Like the reports are suggesting that he won't give up anything else but Ben Simmons for James Harden. I know the Nets, I saw Mark Stein reported that they would be actually interested if the, if the Sixers added Seth Curry, which would be interesting as Seth Curry and James, uh, Seth Curry and Ben Simmons for James Harden trade. But guys, if we're just swapping one for one, who becomes a better team? I, I think it's pretty obvious here. I think it's Philly. I mean, you know, James Harden's a top five to seven player in the NBA. And adding him, considering Simmons hasn't even played at all this year, would be a massive boost for Philadelphia. And it just seems like everything's really awkward with the Nets right now. 
kind of him and Kyrie fighting after the games. Uh, they really haven't played much together, whether there's injuries from Harden a couple of nights, you know, the, the home and away thing. And not having Kevin Durant there out of the mix just is really crushing everything. They're not a good basketball team without Kevin Durant at all. Um, like, it's, it's a disaster. And watching them play, they look like just a typical team in the league, pretty much without KD. So, um, and I don't think Harden and Kyrie really see eye to eye. I think anyone that watches the Nets and kind of seeing what's going on in the media and after the games and stuff could tell you that. But, you know, if, if Philly can get James Harden with, you know, Joel Embiid, you're wasting his prime pretty much at this point because Simmons isn't playing. So I think Philly would win there. But, you know, for the Nets, you really wouldn't lose either, especially if you could pull off the Simmons and Seth Curry one. I think that'd be a massive boost for them to add somebody that can play off the ball like Seth Curry. And then I can add someone like Ben Simmons who can run the offense. KD and Kyrie play very well off the basketball. So I think that would, you know, kind of help both of them out. And at this point in time, if, you know, Harden wanted to leave anyways, if you don't make the championship this year and they have that disagreement and not good chemistry, why not pull the trigger on it? Mm -hmm. You know, you're absolutely right. I just, I don't see a world in which there is just a straight up Simmons for Harden swap. That's so unrealistic, I think. And obviously, you know, Maury is going to come out and say, oh, we're not going to give up all these pieces because he doesn't, he doesn't want to, you know, get ripped off. But Seth Curry would be asking a lot. He's a great player. He's one of their best players, the Sixers. Um, so if the Nets were to get Seth Curry and Ben Simmons and have a lineup of like Kyrie, Curry, you know, Joe Harris, Simmons, Durant, you know, and then just throw a big in there somewhere like that's just absolutely lethal. Um, they might be better off, honestly, because it's clear as day that Harden doesn't work with this team. I mean, they've lost eight in a row. They haven't won in almost three weeks now. I mean, think about that. They're in seventh place in the Eastern Conference. Oh, but for Philly, man, if they could pair an elite playmaker like James Harden next to Embiid, uh, I, I would legitimately consider them a dark horse candidate to win the championship the way things are so wide open this year. I mean, I, I watched Embiid yesterday rip apart the Bulls, but like the last month and a half, he, he's been scoring like 35, 40 every night. And it seems like every night it's like, oh, he scored more points than minutes played. And it's like, he's just been so efficient. You get an elite uh, playmaker to get him the ball, get him open looks, it's over. Yeah, and 100%. Philadelphia becomes probably the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Like you have to realize sure. that, you know, even if let's say you have to throw in Seth Curry in the deal, you're basically swapping Seth Curry for James Harden. Just, yeah, exactly. I, I feel like people just have like overvalued Ben Simmons so much. And like, I mean, he's not even playing right now. That's the reality. He's not even playing for Philadelphia. And he's never and going to again. Yeah, he has yeah, four exactly. years on his contract. So Ben Simmons has four years on his contract and he wants to hold out already. That's a terrible sign. And that's a sign that he'll probably never play for you ever again. So you might as well just, Hold the plug, not wait for the offseason. You can't wait. The longer you wait, the less, the, the more his value is going to diminish. So don't and wait. Pull the plug now. I'll pull the plug the, now. This is the best possible offer you're going to get. Uh, some of the other players we've heard was like Karis, Le, uh, no, not Karis, Le, Malcolm Brogdon. We heard uh, the Pascal, I heard a Pascal Siakam and OGN and Obi thing. Like James Harden, you're getting back a top 10 player in return. This is by far the best offer you're going to get. I wouldn't even expect something like this at this point in time. And like you guys said, he's never going to play again for Philly. So why? Like, why not just make the move? But Pascal and OG, though, that would be that would be nice for uh, Philly. No, I think to, they said Toronto backed out of it. Yeah, I, I go like figure. Why would they, they take back that? Yeah. OG but, and Anobi's a future all-star, in my opinion. I mean, the trajectory of his career, 
you look at him, he's close to like 20 points per game around there. And he's a, yeah, a they, they don't point need to shooter. Make a trade right now. And then same with pass. That's two all-star caliber players. No way but Toronto would accept that. Really quickly, going back to this Harden thing, like we keep saying, oh, they're getting a top like five, seven player in return. He just hasn't played like that this year, though. So you have to wonder like if he's on the downfall, if he just isn't really putting in a lot of effort. But like the facts are the facts. He has not played like a top 10 player. Yeah, in the I don't know. Yeah. I don't I know if he's top 10. I think it's a mixture because I don't think he's really happy where he is right now. And I think he's kind of expressed that. I, mean, I know, but Frank, isn't that concerning where he's not happy in Brooklyn? How can you not be happy in like the most desirable I just don't basketball? Think yeah, I don't, I agree with that. I don't think he's happy with like the whole Kyrie situation that he can't play on a nightly basis. And I like not having Durant out there is hurting the team. They're on an eight no, game. Losing I know. Streak. I'm sorry, but you're at the lows Harden, of the lows right now. You know what James, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But James Harden, the way he's played this year, I feel like he's getting too much of a pass. He's averaging more turnovers a game than Russell Westbrook. Yeah. He's shooting a lower field goal percentage. Imagine if Russ did this. I mean, Russ is already getting slandered. You saw on Saturday night, and I think deservedly so. But James Harden, it feels like he's being not blamed at all for this. He's been yeah. insanely inefficient, turning the ball over. I don't care if you're – because with Russell Westbrook, the whole argument is, oh, his 11 assists tonight don't matter. But now with James Harden averaging 11 assists, all of a sudden it does. Like, no, it doesn't if you're averaging five turnovers that, a game. I think mm-hmm. that the Kyrie thing has kind of overshadowed Harden's poor performance. And I think that's 100% true. Yeah. Mostly the only things we've seen in the media about the Nets the whole season is, you know, what's the deal with Kyrie? Is he going to come back? Is he going to get the shot? Is he going to play? What's the story? And that's been overshadowing James Harden's, you know, bat, like below average year to his standards. Mm-hmm. Well, he has he's having the worst shooting splits of his entire career outside of his rookie season. So yeah, he's been 41%. Horrible. Yeah, by his standards, terrible. his three point percentage is in the low 30s. Um, and it's more than that. I sent that I sent that whole Twitter thread in our group chat the other day, like just clips of him not playing defense versus the Kings, not giving effort. It's it's his body language is poor. He's not playing well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if automatically when he goes to Philly, he's going to flip the switch and be like 2018 James Harden. I mean, maybe, but. He's, he's been bad this year. Yeah, so. honestly, see what Steve Nash said, though? He said that they're not trading Harden. I don't buy that, though. Yeah, I, mean, I don't he doesn't really have the power. I think it's more the GMs say than head mm-hmm. coach. Yeah, and, and listen, if you're, yeah, if you're asked that, what are you going to do? Say, yeah, oh, we're trading. Exactly. And, yeah, if they if they have an offer on the table that they think is really going to benefit them, why would they keep James Harden? Because at this point, it's not working, you know? Yeah, no. And I, I just want to say, like, I know I've said like James Harden's like play has been bad this year, but I am kind of optimistic if he gets put in a new situation, which is kind of weird because it feels like he should be happy in Brooklyn. Like, I don't, I don't understand how he said, he said the weather is like a problem being from California and like how it's so cold, but like, it's not like Philly's any warmer. It just feels like he's making all these excuses up for why he's playing bad. I mean, like, but however I do with that being said, I do think if you put him in a new situation um, with Embiid that, you know, they could do some real things. And I think that they're better than Brooklyn. A Harden-Embiid team, in my opinion, is better than a team with um, KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry. It just is. Ooh, I disagree. I I disagree. Maybe matchup-wise, they really benefit from the matchup, but KD and uh, Kyrie and then Ben Simmons, oh, man, and – you know, obviously both of these teams would really be lacking depth, but the Nets having that fourth and fifth option kind of. I know, of but I'm sorry, but Ben Simmons cannot play off the ball. He can't like, play off the ball. So then Kyrie 
Kyrie could play great off the ball, like Frank said. He's a fantastic well, but so can Kevin player. Durant, too. I know, yeah, but, like, I don't want Kyrie being off the ball. It's kind of what Jimmy Butler had to deal with in the regular season. Then they switch it in the playoffs where, like, you know, Ben Simmons, you go off the ball. I mean, you just suck. Like, like get out, get off the ball. You're limiting Kyrie, and you're not utilizing Kyrie to the best of his ability if you're having him off the ball. I don't but like he's doing that. that already. He's already doing that now. Yeah, well, exactly. Harden, sprint. but Harden's much better than Ben Simmons. Like, I, I no, would I'm saying when all three of them Harden. were at full strength, he was already doing that. You know, no. So, so when Durant, when all three of them were playing, Harden, Harden, the main, yeah, Harden is the ball. Harden yeah. was the main facilitator of the offense. Yeah, so it would be. The I know, but I, I, I just think that like Harden. I would much rather, much rather have Harden with the ball than Ben Simmons. Oh, obviously. I'm not, I'm not letting Kyrie play off ball if I'm letting, if I'm having Ben Simmons have the ball. Like, I just don't like the fit of Ben Simmons on a chance on, on a contending team. I, I don't think he really fits I think well. If you were to play with anybody, I think these would, these two. No. Would, yeah, this would oh, be no question. This, this is the best possible situation. I, however, I still don't think it even matters. I think about it. With like, if, like, if we're talking about a hypothetical Brooklyn Philly playoff series, in like the 10, 15 minutes a game that Embiid's on the floor, you can run lineups with Durant at the five, and then you have four elite shooters surrounding Ben Simmons, you know, with Harris and Curry and, and Kyrie. Durant cannot play the five. And he, in, in some certain small ball five lineups, he absolutely can. And Embiid's not going to be on the floor for 15. Embiid's been playing like 40 minutes a night. He'll, he'll play 40 minutes a night in the playoffs. Like, I mean, we'll see how sustainable it is. I think they'd and, like to keep him in like the I low think, 30s. I think Drummond, though, I think Drummond can punish them in the paint then if they do that. I don't no, no. think you're going to get away with Durant at the five. I just think that's unrealistic. Like you're going to have to play Claxton, but just the way I see it, like, no, sure. hundred percent. Kyrie and Katie are the best fit with Ben Simmons. I just don't like, like the fact that you have to give Kyrie and Katie less touches. So Ben Simmons could have the ball more when he's kind of like proven to us that he doesn't really deserve the, like he's not a guy that a championship team should want with the ball in his hands a lot. I agree, but at the same time, I disagree. I mean, his best ability on the offensive end is his playmaking ability. And I think that, you know, having him in that role would help him. He's not necessarily going to touch the ball all the time, but the also the thing with Ben Simmons is like Russell, what we see at Russell Westbrook in LA, it's the willingness to commit to making yourself the best player off the ball, Mm -hmm. cutting back door, finding like working in transition, running, hustling, playing good defense. He can be that role glue guy for that team pretty much, guarding the other team's best defensive player, regardless one through five pretty much, and then mm-hmm. you know, facilitating and being that playmaker on offense. And you yeah. can still be useful without the ball if you don't shoot. It's all about effort. If he's going to give that effort, make cuts, set off ball screens, you know, come off pin downs, drive into the basket, he can be very effective. It's just how much you want to get out of him and how much he, effort he's going to give you. And I think he might give decent effort because – a lot of people are really low on him right now. He's been called soft multiple times. He hasn't played all year. And I think that obviously Don't you think it's time. concerning that a 25 year old kid in his prime who's fully healthy, doesn't want to play basketball. That just oh, means he doesn't sure. like the, he just doesn't love the game. And I, we talked about this in the <laughs> last, last podcast. I think, like you said, Draymond said 85% of the players don't love the game. I, I said, they like everything that comes with basketball more than basketball. And Simmons is that guy. He, he is literally that guy that Draymond's talking about. I, don't yeah, know. I, I think we're losing sight of just how good Ben Simmons is. I mean, this is a guy who was a defensive player of the year candidate last year. He's a tremendous defender. He has offensive ability. You know, think Giannis earlier in his career. He's a freak athlete. He's 6'10 with handles. He's a, he can jump out of the gym. I mean, like, he, he like he has yeah but your question is motor camp. your question is motor especially no, in the playoffs the question is the question is 100 motor and you know 
Giannis has no motor issue. Giannis, you know Giannis is gonna. And you know what though? Has Harden? No, been I get that. I'm just saying. Basis? No. 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 So hard. Yeah. No. Harden's another well, guy. I was just gonna question. say that. Harden is the same thing though, and maybe Ben Simmons is a better fit. I, no, I think Harden's a little better because at least he's playing. He's not sitting out. Like I get that. What but Simmons is doing day, is extreme. KD is the best superstar for other stars to play alongside. He's the most selfless superstar. He's the best off ball. You know, he's just, he's just the best for, he's the best, this is the best possible situation for Ben Simmons. And honestly, at this point, I'm just sick of seeing this James Harden experiment. I, I just love for this trade to happen because this is just not going anywhere with Brooklyn right now. So, so you traded all those picks, you traded four first round picks, three pick swaps. So in 2027, for example, is when the last year they have a pick swap. 2028, they had 2028. Houston has Brooklyn's first round pick. That's a scary thing. But if you get Ben Simmons and Seth Curry, you can win a championship. You still have Kevin Durant on your team. I I don't even. I mean, look, I I think this move, the like coming into the season, did you want to have to trade James Harden? The answer is no. No. No, But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's about right now. That's all that matters. It's yeah, about I think, right now. But I, I clearly, still think like let it, you're letting go on the Harden experiment too early. How? It's only been zero playoff. They have okay, not, what if he leaves that for the end of this year? What if he leaves at the end of this year? Oh, uh, they can do a sign and trade though. They can do a sign and trade though with James Harden. That's because think about the teams who have cap space: the Rockets, the Thunder, and like the Spurs. So you have to, to assign go back to the Rockets. No, no, exactly. So, no, exactly. So you have to do a sign and trade, meaning they, that uh, Brooklyn would get value back regardless. Yeah, but or you could just get a potential really good young superstar and a, one of the best three point shooters in history, like just on your team. Like that's as good a value as they're going to get in any sign and trade, if not better. So I don't really like. No, but don't, you, Brooklyn doesn't have time. The, Kevin Durant's thirty three. So like, just play the playoffs with them three. But they don't have time, and if they're like, if they're playing playoff. like this, they're not winning anything in the playoffs. Why not shake it up? They don't have three years. Kevin Durant's not know, 27. He's 33. He didn't even try. This is, I mean, as a Knicks fan, man, I love this. This is, this is like, yeah, but, but sometimes love. you just don't get opportunities. Like sometimes like injuries happen. Things just don't go the way this they do. This is a lack I mean, of patience. This is a lack should of the patience. Bulls, should the Bulls still be running it back with Derrick Rose 10 years later? Like, no. Like, no, this is the, this is the second year you gave up seven first round picks. You gave up okay. four of your first okay. round picks, three picks. Well, look, at, look at it like this. You might have given up seven first round picks and then you got Ben Simmons and Seth Curry out of it. That's not like the worst thing ever. Like those are two really good you know, players. Uh, let me let me just because I know some people in the comments will type like, oh, it's not seven first round picks. It's well, however many picks it, it is. It's four first round picks. Swaps. So like three of the, you know, and three of them could be swapped. So if, if Houston becomes good in like 2027 and they're like a playoff team, let's say Brooklyn like sucks. I mean, that's essentially another first round pick. If if Brooklyn's picks top five and then Houston's like the 20s, I mean that would be terrible for, for Brooklyn. And they could be dealing with a situation like that. A starting lineup with Kyrie, you know, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, you know, some big. um, And then you have Ben Simmons in there as well. And then Seth Curry off the bench with Patty Mills. Like, that's a championship team. Um, Obviously, the, you know, the big depth is concerning. They can acquire someone else. But that's a championship team, you know. I mean, I I, I really do think you underrate Ben Simmons. I know we all don't like him, but you're extremely underrating him right now. Yeah, I mean, he's legitimately arguably the best wing defender in the NBA. I'm comparing. I'm 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 worried about this. So let's say when Kyrie's on the at home right for Brooklyn, Ben Simmons as your second best player for four or three games in a series. I wouldn't. I wouldn't look at it like that. I, I I would look at it like they're two. They're two. Like Kyrie's their second best scorer. He's out you replace him with Patty Mills and Seth Curry. Like that's more than sufficient. Patty Mills has been great this year. 
Seth Curry is, I don't know, let's see. What is he average, like 16, 17 a game? Like, they can live with that. Milwaukee's gotten Durant. better. I think Milwaukee beating Brooklyn, that that gave them a confidence. Like, and they're playing better. You see it this year when they're all healthy. I mean, the, the Middleton, Holiday, Giannis, they're only gaining more chemistry as the seasons goes on, as they play more games. This Milwaukee team, I think, is just – I think they took the throne from Brooklyn, and they're running away from it. I mean – Kevin Durant was, you know, half a shoe size, a suit, shoe size I, away. Know, I, me, I know, from, but exactly. I, I, that's why I, I believe with Harden on one leg. What makes you think with Kyrie and, and Ben? I believe that you know, Milwaukee gained a ton of confidence from beating Brooklyn. Like that, they, are Brooklyn allowing Milwaukee? Hang on, hang on. They, they beat Kevin Durant. They, 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 but who, who else was out there for, for Brooklyn? Jeff Green and Blake James Griffin. Harden was playing. James, no, oh my I God. I don't want to hear this. James Harden was hurt i guess but he was okay playing. what do you mean i guess did you watch the games but if he you're no but if you're playing you have to get blamed like if you're playing i mean you're, you're the person you who think like, james harden was at full strength in that no, series and i just don't think you watched. no 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 no. he was no he was not he was so i was that's what i said he's on one points in 40 minutes but he, was he missed like two of the games still too he didn't play in all seven no games. no he didn't he didn't play yeah no he so missed they, they, they were absolutely hindered by injuries so you're giving kevin durant Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. Like, wow. He wins that series in five games. Okay, but I think, like, I don't, I think Milwaukee, like, this so you team think is better. Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee's gotten you, better. You said the okay, six. Who is the best be player in the NBA that you would want in terms of stopping Giannis? It's probably Ben Simmons. It, it's probably, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that's fair. So you, but you, you think, can't contain Giannis. Like, Ben Simmons. No, you, no, you, you can't stop Giannis, Giannis, but you can contain him a little bit. And but you think that you said the Sixers were better too, so you think the Sixers and Bucks would both be better than the Nets? Um, I I do believe that the Nets, the Sixers would be better with Harden and Embiid, just because Mac they still have Tyrese Maxey, and I mean he's had a great year. I I think that and Tobias Harris has been kind of off, but like still I'll take I'll take Philly. Mm-hmm. I'll take Golden State. I'll take Golden State and Phoenix as well. Interesting. All right, let's let's move on now to the Norman Powell and Karis Levert's trade. So we'll kick it off with the Norman Powell trade. Uh, the Clippers really, obviously, I think we're clear winners in this situation. They got Norman Powell. He is on a massive contract. I believe he's making about $18 million a year and Rocco, but it'll help them now while Paul, uh, Paul George is still out. And the Blazers got Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson. And then Powell dropped 28 last night in his first game with the Clippers. Obviously, they needed that scoring boost. And, you know, seems like Portland is just kind of done. They're blowing everything up again. And But Dame's 32 years old, so interesting. And then the Karis LeVert trade. The Cavs got Karis LeVert, 2022 second-round pick via Miami. And the Pacers got Ricky Rubio, who I believe tore his ACL, but he's on an expiring deal, um, deal a lottery-protected first-round pick and two second-round picks. It seems for some reason that Karis LeVert is traded every single year. I feel like he's been on, like, five teams now. Not He's only been on the Nets and, like, the the Cavs and Pacers the Cavs and Pacers now it's only been the last two years he's been traded yeah wasn't he on the Rockets no he was because remember he was gonna get traded he was going to go to the Rockets and yeah yeah it was a three yeah so what do you guys think because I think the first trade to me kind of has more of a you know impact on a bigger thing in the NBA with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum you know in Portland kind of finally maybe realizing like we're not we're just not good well, hang on a second. Who cares about Portland? Let's talk about the Clippers. They got Norman Powell, who scored 28 points in his debut. Um, you know, you throw that guy in there. I think people are starting to gain confidence in this Clippers team because they've playing, been playing well as of late. You get PG and Kawhi back there. The, the way the NBA has gone this year, why can't they win the title, you know? 
who cares about Portland? We talk about them every single episode and every single episode. It's like, they just, they're stupid. They make the worst decisions possible. I mean, they're horrible. They traded Gary Trent for this guy just to get rid of him for like Eric yeah, Bledsoe. Yeah. Like what? They're horrible. Not, no decision they make makes sense. Um, and their whole front office, didn't they just like replace a bunch of the guys in their front office? I don't even know, but they're horrible. They're, they're really just one of the worst run teams right now. It just makes me so angry seeing that. But And then they also got Covington, the Clippers. So they're just tremendous trade. And as for the Cavs, same thing, tremendous trade for them. I'm not the biggest Levert fan, but they gave up nothing. So I don't know, maybe he's going to start for them. Maybe he'll come off the bench, but I think that's a tremendous addition. And I, you know, this Cavs team is starting to look like a team that can win a playoff series. They have a lot of depth. They play really hard. They got scoring at every level, defense. So I think both of these trades were very lopsided. But, I mean, at least in the Pacers one, their direction makes more sense. Like, I just don't know what the Blazers are doing. The, the Blazers, you know, the Blazers trade, the Blazers front office has to be one of the most idiotic front offices ever. So last year at the trade deadline, you trade Gary Trent, who's only 23 years old, fits your timeline more. Fits your timeline more. And I, I believe, I don't know how old Norman Powell is, but I believe he's, he's a little bit older, right? Yeah, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. So you trade the younger Gary Trent, who I believe is a good player. Norman Powell is better, I agree. But Gary Trent was more on your timeline. And then you're going to trade Norman Powell away, who's a great player, for for Keon Johnson is basically the only like young guy you get. And Keon Johnson, like no offense, I've watched him. He's not very good. I'm sorry, he's just not. Like, you watch Keon Johnson, there's nothing special about the guy. And then you get Eric Bledsoe and Justice Winslow. I mean, those are, are, those are throw-in veterans. Yeah. So it's basically Norman Powell and Rocco for Keon Johnson. That, that's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, rough. It's, it's not that bad of a trade if you look at, like, trying to throw, just kind of rebuild and start over. But the fact that they traded Gary Trent for Norman Powell is, like, confusing. And now, like, with, it was, yeah. with this move. It's a backwards move. It it's doesn't backwards. make any sense. That move was questioned at the time, too, by a lot of people. I mean, everything that was a win play. now. That was a win now move. Yeah, but like, what are they and Now they go backwards. Yeah, like, now they're going back to, like, the rebuild. And then... You know, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but like they still have CJ McCollum on the team, and like Damian Lillard's just never gonna leave. And it's it's just so hard to watch them. It really is. Oh no, just... CJ McCollum is being rumored to be traded to the Pelicans, yeah. I've heard. And mm. that would be interesting. But as for the Pacers trade, um, I really like this for the Cavs. Like we've obviously seen for like months now, it feels like that Karis Avert's been rumored to be traded here. He provides a scoring, a scoring uh spark that, you know, honestly. I know a lot of people are positive about the Cavs right now. Everyone wants to talk about how, like, you know, they're such a fun story. The one thing I think they did lack entering this trade was just a spark plug, like a, another scorer. I feel like they just needed more the scoring. Yeah. And, you know, you have, you have Garland, you have Mobley, but Mobley's not, like, you know, going to give you 20 points a night. And you have Kevin Love playing good. Like, I mean, Seti Osman actually had a 22-point game last night. But you just need more scoring, especially on the wing. So I, I love this move for, for um, the Cavs, especially you only really give up a first-round pick. I mean, Ricky Rubio tore you know, Ricky Rubio tore his ACL and is on an expiring contract, so he won't play for the Pacers ever. He'll be a free agent. And I mean, look, mm-hmm. Ricky Rubio, I think Cavs fans love Ricky Rubio because he kind of was a great mentor early on in the season and, and played really well for the Cavs. I mean, definitely should be credited for what Darius Garland's been able to do. I mean, not credited for all of it, but definitely a little factor in, you know, Darius Garland's play this year. So, um, yeah, overall, though, just good move for the Cavs. 
Um, and then good move for the Clippers. Robert Covington, though, is not the same guy. He's not. That's true. But maybe but, he can unlock some of that yeah, again. Unlock, yeah, in a new situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he won't be asked to do as much. Um, and he'll, and he'll he played pretty well yesterday, three of six from three. That's all they're asking for him. So They got blown out by the Bucks, though. Him playing against other stars, yeah. like with other stars, like Paul George and Kawhi is only going to help him. Because, yeah. like you said, he was being he was being asked to do way too much in Portland. I mean, Dame hasn't played in, what, how long now? A month? So, yeah. I mean, this Clippers team, they, they can be good, but they got to get their two stars back. Because um, that could know. be a really they deadly, will, like, eight-man Paul George's going to come back soon, right? But the, know, Probably after the All-Star He never really played well together. Who's no, that? But, Kawhi and Paul George. I don't know, though. I really do believe that that's a little bit of an overstretched narrative. Yeah. Like, last year, they made the Western Conference Finals. They were going to make the finals if they had them both. Yeah, out. and I still think that their one key issue was a point guard. And, you know, Reggie Jackson is kind of Feel giving some problem. stability to I that know, but position, he's still so. he's still not a traditional point guard, more of a score. I know. Look the score. But like, he, he's given them some stability. And now, with, like, with so many good, like, just three and D guys, so many wings, so much depth. Like, you got – then you got Kennard and Man off the bench playing well, and you got, like – now you got Rocco and you got Norman Powell, like Marcus Morris. Like they have so many guys. Like Nick Batum is playing well too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if they can't put it together, then the Clippers are just cursed. Because I, I really do think <laughs> on paper they're the best team in the Western Conference, assuming everybody's healthy. I think they're the best team. I really when's, do. When's Kawhi come back? That's interesting. I heard. I don't well, know. Next. I don't think it was a full ACL tear. I, I remember a few months back I heard like um, – like, well, that was what June. What when did he tear it? Yeah. It was last June because the playoffs were like a little late. So I think it was the second round. He so he I mean, underwent surgery in July. So it's ten. It's usually like ten months. So he might make it back for like May or something. I don't know. We'll we'll see though how that how that works out. What you mean? If if he comes back for May, he won't make it back for the first round. Maybe he you know he, it's a fast recovery. We'll see. Well, I don't know. I, if, I don't think it was a full tear. Oh yeah, it wasn't. You're right. It wasn't a full tear. So if it's and, partial. It was probably a smaller scar and everything, so he probably yeah. might be back sooner. Because what I what I hear is that the Clippers expect Kawhi back for the playoffs. Like they they believe he will be back, so that's that's huge. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to some trade rumors now. Obviously, the trade deadline is on Thursday, so our next episode will be recorded after the trade deadline, so we'll be able to react to all that stuff. Not too much has happened so far. Only really the two trades we just discussed, but um, so obviously, uh. We already talked about James Harden, but Julius Randle's upset. We've seen some poor body language from him. Um, we've been talking about him all season with that. Um, we've seen some De'Aaron Fox potential swaps, maybe C.J. McCollum, a lot going on there. Uh, Jeremy Grant still hasn't been traded. I don't even know if he will get traded at this point, but like seemingly every team in the league is interested in him. So there's, you know, like it's really hard to like pinpoint who's really in the running for him. Um, and as we just talked about with Portland, um, are they going to commit to a full blow-up? I doubt we see Damian Lillard move, but McCollum rumors have been heating up, so that would be interesting. Uh, the latest on Bradley Beal is that he's not expected to move until the summer. He has a player option, and he'll probably opt out, and then he can pick where he wants to go. That's the belief that that's what he wants to do. And then Eric Gordon on the move, obviously just like a nice vet, three, you know, great three-point shooter. Uh, the Suns have been rumored for that, so... You know, what do we think? Obviously, a lot of information there, but what do we think? No, that would be the Suns getting Eric Gordon would be huge. He's actually had a very good under the radar season that nobody seems to be talking about. I believe averaging like 14 points per game. I don't know, don't quote me on that, but it's yes. somewhere pretty high. So 14. he's 14.2. Yeah, he's been playing really good for the Rockets, obviously not on a winning team. So expected to, you know, be traded at the deadline. I think the Suns 
with Chris Paul, all, you know, Mikhail, you have a, a squad there in Phoenix. JaVale McGee's been a bright spot off the bench this year. So like, I, I think if Phoenix can get that, they're already 41 and 10. I think that's a move that could potentially put, you know, Phoenix over the top. You look at other teams in the West, like a, a Jordan Poole for Warriors off the bench. I feel like the Suns having a six man like Eric Gordon could be very beneficial for them. Like a real six man, just scoring type boost off the bench. So that would be great for Phoenix. Um, and as a Knicks fan, of course, I'll just talk about Julius Randle real quick. Why not? Um, yeah, I mean, the De'Aaron Fox rumors are pretty interesting. If we're able to acquire him, I mean, shit, that, that changes the game. You know what I'm saying? That changes, that changes everything. I, I really wouldn't be interested in a CJ McCollum one, though. Like, I don't, like, please, no. We don't want to move backwards and move for a veteran. I think we're trying to get younger. And, you know, obviously that, that's going to be hard with a Julius Randle's, you know, contract and stuff. I don't know if, you know, it's realistic that De'Aaron Fox would be a person we could swap him with. But even if we have to add an Obi Toppin or Emmanuel quickly, I'm down for that, man. I think Knicks fans are way, Knicks fans are overvaluing Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin way too much. I, they, they act like Obi Toppin's like some all-star. Like, I'm, like Obi Toppin, like, sure, he's, he's had some yeah. glimpses, but like, he's not like, he's not like this great player that like they're making him out to be. And you saw when he got put in the starting lineup versus OKC, we had our most embarrassing loss yeah, losing Obi to the Toppin Thunder. Sucks. That's why he hasn't developed at all. He can't make a three-point shot. First of all, well, he's, he's developed old. somewhat, but he's yeah, he's definitely hasn't not like, at all. Not this at is all. Exactly he's what got... I said when he dra- when he was drafted. What you're getting is his ceiling because he's already like 23 years exactly. old. Exactly. And he happened. hasn't. He can't. He can't shoot the three ball. First of all, you know, that's can. his first problem. And he's not a good. He's not good enough to get post touches consistently. A guy like Anthony Davis in the NBA, so he's useless. He's only but good he's at not catching really a post up like kind of player. He isn't. He, that's, that's not really. He was in college. Yeah, I know, but that's not really. I don't know. The Knicks never use him like that. I don't know. We, we kind of just use him like in like a. It's a weird role, like a, a, a transition role where he's catching lobs and doing all this stuff. That's all he's good at. Because. But that's yeah, not like that, then, that's like not like a role. How can you? Yeah, and then in the half, like, and, yeah, and then in the half court, like he's just really used on like the yeah in the, in the corner. Like, Ninety percent of the possessions are in the half court. You know, yeah, so exactly. exactly. So when he sits in the corner, he can't make the shot. So he's useless. So that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not interested. I'm interested in trading Obi Toppin. I don't like know the whole Knicks fan thing of wanting to play him more. I mean, he's I just, not- I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. And the reality of it is that Tibbs needs to go as well because this team is a disaster. He can't figure out rotations. You traded for Cam Reddish for what? Just to sit up on the bench? He's better than 95% of the guys that were out there playing. It yeah, just but, doesn't make so, any sense yeah. to me. I just want to so, add I'm some. I'm so sick of Tibbs' shit. I'm, I really am. I'm like completely fed up. And we lost that game to the Lakers the other night while we were up 17 points at halftime. The only it's reason the NBA, why we were though, in the game is Barrett scored 36 points. Like it's what? The NBA though. I mean, you you blow. It doesn't leads. matter. It doesn't matter. You can't blow a lead like that. A, 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 that happens simple. like that happens like every night though. Now, I mean, even like yeah, after, it happens every night. Like I mean, like let's not. I get it though. It's it's frustrating. And the only guy playing well right now is R.J. Barrett. But honestly, that's probably a good thing if the season's lost. Like at least the young guy's playing well. You well, know, yeah, but if you could trade Randall, he'll touch the ball even more. Exactly. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Yeah, that's. What I, I've been saying, man. Like, I don't mean to like kind of hype myself up, but I, what did I say? We, we just need a patience on Fournier. Fournier's been playing really well. I know he didn't have the best game versus the Lakers, but the game before versus Memphis had like 30 points. Like, he's I mean, been if terrific. They, if they can trade him as well, he, he's not in our timeline either. The thing he's is, though, not. I don't I, – the sense I saw reports that we want to keep him, just I don't know. I don't know if that's like the best. This, this Knicks team 
if they yeah. keep Fournier and Randall, won't be any higher no, than an eighteen listen, for the next I don't, three years. No, but there's no but, doubt in my mind. Fournier, no, but Fournier can stay though. I think Frank, there's something to be said that you need shooters around people like young guys. You can't just have a full team of young guys. And Fournier's contract isn't like that well, bad. Why can't Cam play? Reddish play the role that Fournier's playing? I think Fournier and Cam could play together in the starting five. Maybe have Cam at the three. Actually, I don't know how that would work. Maybe maybe you have to move Fournier. Maybe you have to move Fournier. But problem is he's not been that bad. Really, he's been. I understand how you need veterans, but like their team doesn't fit this certain timeline. Your best player is RJ Barrett. He's probably not even. What is he? Twenty three. Twenty one. Twenty one. He's no. He's twenty one years old. Yeah, he came out of college. He's eighteen. He's your best player. Your timeline with Randall, what's I think Randall's 28 now. He's 27, he's 27, 28, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so like your timeline doesn't fit. You traded for Reddish. Your whole goal, obviously, would probably be to bring in Zion. No, I think our timeline's pretty clear, though. Like, other than Randall, our roster's very young. Like, our yes, but Randall can't be that veteran. He's Randall on a good I think Randall could be moved at the trade deadline. He, I think he will be. I don't think he's going to be moved. No, but I don't I, think anyone. Here's I don't why. Think anyone wants They'll him. either shut him down or he'll be moved. He, you they can't, won't shut him down. No way. You can't, Frank. Look at the. You can't like. You see, he's slapping the coaches and like, like, like computer down. Like he, he doesn't want. Tibbs already shut that down. Tibbs already shut that down in a press conference today. There's, there's, joke, there's no joke. doubt. There's no way they shut him down. Like I said, if they're stuck with Fournier and Randall for the next three years, this is an eight seed at best. At best. No, I know that, but they're like the and thing is, is they're really not, getting they're exposed not in the second though, year because though. he hasn't been able to adjust. I agree, but you like you always bring up Fournier and Randall, how like they're stuck. Randall, you should be saying Randall, take Fournier's name. Seventeen million dollars a year isn't that much in today's NBA when the cap continues to go up. Seventeen mil is not bad. Like we're fine with having one. Seventeen Fournier. mil would be paying that. That you'd be paying him then to be like your third best player on a championship. No, team. no, no, not, and he's not even close. No, no, third third best players on championship teams get like thirty million because a big three is usually a big three that gets paid all the maxes like thirty five million each. Seventeen mil is a guy like a fifteen point per game score in my eyes, like a like a Norman Powell for example. Like it's not this like seventeen million. Dollars, I feel like you just like keep acting like it's 2010. This isn't 2010 anymore. It's 2020. Yes, but you're gonna have to pay RJ Barrett that kind of money. Like um, RJ Barrett will get paid the max probably. I mean, you'll probably yeah, that's not like you're, you're gonna have to pay him and then like well, listen. What we're you're fine. gonna have Fournier at 30 years old with RJ Barrett. Our, our situation that's fine. Fournier isn't supposed to be this like like this through like that's fine. You're acting like we don't have flexibility. The Knicks have flexibility still. Outside of Randall's contract, our team is very flexible. Like Fournier could easily be dealt if we want to because he's playing really well. And I, I, like I said, Fournier would be a, a piece a championship team would love to have. A championship Randall, team doesn't have seventeen million dollars in cap space. You saw the Clippers. You, the Clippers just got Norman Powell's on a five-year, ninety million dollar contract. You act like these teams don't have much, dude. The cap space is a myth. You can like. Obviously, you could work around it. The only Nick I see being traded is Kemba Walker, Alec Burks. That's my thought. That's it. Nobody else is going to get traded. Thibs should be no. So my closing thoughts. I know we've been talking about the Knicks for a little bit. Thibs should be fired, and um, Julius Randle, if he's traded, that would be great. But you know, maybe not. But and I will say this. So we have to trade our veterans because what was the point of trading Cam Reddish? And now we're we're reading that oh the only reason why we're not playing him is to boost the trade value of the veterans. Well, we better make a move to clear some space for Reddish. And if we don't, if he's not playing on Thursday night versus the Warriors, I'm gonna be pissed. I just don't understand why you would trade for someone and then just not play him at all. We Cam Reddish has been undervalued his whole career. He was the first guy out of all those guys to go to Duke. It was just him and RJ, and then Zion commits. He takes a backseat role on that team. Plays not so great, but he played well enough. 
He falls all the way to number 10 in the draft, goes to Atlanta, and all the time that he's out on the court plays well, but he doesn't get minutes for some reason. Then he comes here, he averages 6.8 minutes per game and has had like six or four or six DNPs. He only plays in garbage time. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely uh, interesting. Um, but let, let's move on to some all-star snubs, uh, all-star snubs, shall we? Um, obviously, all-star reserves were named on Thursday, I believe, like, right after our podcast. It was around our podcast, but we didn't get the chance to actually talk about it. Notable East snubs, and I say it with the quotation marks, is that because it feels like NBA fans, NBA Twitter they act like everyone's a snub. I mean, yeah. you realize when you say the word snub, you have to replace a guy who's on the team. There can't be five snubs each conference. Like that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. At most, one or two. And let's go through the snubs of the Eastern Conference. LaMelo Ball, Jarrett Allen, and Pascal Siakam were more, some of the more notable guys. Um, in the Western Conference, Anthony Edwards, DeJounte Murray, and Brandon Ingram um, and I'll get through some of the debates. So let's have these debates real quick. LaMelo Ball versus Middleton was a debate, how Chris Middleton got in over LaMelo. I could definitely see that. LaMelo, you know, probably deserved Did they that. Middleton as a guard? But it was a wild card spot anyway. It doesn't really oh. – it was, it was just either him or yeah, – uh, I, I think Jared Allen should have got in instead of him. I think for yeah, sure. Jared Allen for Middleton could have been something as well. But I think LaMelo out of those three guys was the best then. It should have been LaMelo over – Middleton was not deserving at all this year. He really, I mean, he's yeah. a great player, but I don't know. Middleton actually averaged in by five and five. No, but I, I know Middleton's stats actually are pretty good. Like 25 and five is not bad, but like, and, and he's definitely, you know, when he's, he's averaging playing, 25 he's and no, he's averaging like 19, no, tw- 20, no, 25. Oh, and five. I got it. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. But what I'm saying is he hasn't really played that much. It feels like I could he's, be wrong, yeah, he's but missed a few games, he's missed yeah. a lot of games. So I feel like, you know, I would like to see LaMelo in the number one option on the Hornets. Um, another one is a- Anthony Edwards versus Andrew Wiggins, which I think, you know, it's close because, but Edwards, dude, everyone acts like the Timberwolves are some poverty team. They're the six or the seven seed. They're, they have a winning record. It's not like they're a bad team. They, they have a winning record in the Western conference. I think he averaging 23 points per game definitely deserves consideration. Mm-hmm. I think he'll mm-hmm. make it though. So yeah, because yeah, Draymond, yeah, Draymond um, also is injured. But And then the last debate was, you know, obviously, um, you know, Draymond versus DeJounte Murray. And if DeJounte Murray should have made it over Draymond Green, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. That's a toss-up, of course. And it's important to note that one of um, both the East and West snubs will make it because of Draymond being injured and Kevin Durant being injured. So let's real quick, just name one guy from each conference you guys want to see. Lamelo and Ant. Uh, for me, it'd be LaMelo and Murray. Murray's 100% going to be the guy, too. I mean, his numbers are tremendous, and he's a tremendous player. I would say LaMelo and Anthony Edwards. I agree. Get the two, the two, uh, two year, or year two players. I don't know. I just think you get rewarded for winning in the NBA, and a lot of it's name and recognition. That's why guys like Draymond Green make it and, like, Rudy Gobert make it. Like, Anthony Edwards is only in his second year, and he'll get there. But, you know, a lot of it is, like, an earned status, really. They're better than the Spurs, though, by far. No, I get that, but I'm just saying the reason that like Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins were named, because um, a lot of people like had problems with those people specifically. Yeah, because Draymond I mean, only played 34 games. Like yeah, he didn't but, play that much. Like he shouldn't have made it. But I mean, look. I agree. I just think I think Dejounte Murray will make it. I mean, he 
everybody loves the triple double. The dude's almost averaging a triple double, but nobody talks about it. Um, because the no, Spurs are bad, 100%. but the yeah, Spurs I mean, should be they're, worse they're though. They're, they should be worse. Like Dejounte's carrying them to that that that's that like eleven seed, I think, which is not saying much, but Dejounte is definitely deserving of a spot. Mm-hmm. Who knows if he'll get? It. I I think Anthony Edwards should twenty three points per game on a you know team that's in the playoff hunt. I think that speaks you know more. Yeah, than we'll that. see. That's a Either way, I think it'll be reasonable. I don't think there were any really horrible snubs this year. So. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. All right, let's move on now to our final topic, our NFL topic. Some new NFL coach hirings. Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel today. Actually, he's the former 49ers offense, uh, 49ers offensive coordinator. He spent the last five years with San Francisco. So, you know, will Waddle be utilized like Debo? Kind of a good question. And, you know, Tua in this offense, pretty similar to Steve Sarkeesian's offense, which Tua ran at Alabama. So it's a pretty uh, familiar scheme, which is very nice. He'll fit uh, right in really well. I actually just saw Debo post an Instagram story, like so happy for this guy uh, with Mike McDaniel. So obviously, you know, 49ers players really like Coach McDaniel, and that's a good sign. And then um, the Vikings went out and hired the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, he was turned down by Harbaugh for some reason. Uh, no, well, no, they turned down Harbaugh after a nine-hour interview, and the, you know they went Wait, with Kevin. They O'Connell. turned down Harbaugh. I thought Harbaugh turned down the Vikings. No, That's they quarterback. You know, wasn't oh, it I, Harbaugh turning down the Vikings because of the quarterback play? Like he wanted a better quarterback. It was like the rumor. O'Connell like gave his stamp of approval for Kirk Cousins, but the problem is Kirk Cousins. Oh no, no, I'm talking about Harbaugh. Oh, you know, I'm talking about Harbaugh, though. Like, the Vikings... Well, Harbaugh said he was going back to college, and he's not going through this whole thing again. But they also, like, were mad because Harbaugh was in... Like, Harbaugh's PR people, supposedly, were pushing that he was, like, a finalist for the job, even though he wasn't before he went to go interview. So they were kind of turned off by that as well. That's interesting. Whereas O'Connell, everything was kind of kept quiet, and nobody really knew he was a finalist. And I I think O'Connell was a good hire. Um, But, you know, Kirk Cousins has a $45 million cap hit next year. So, you know, they could say he's their guy, but we've seen, we've seen that story before. Um, but the McVay coaching tree is everywhere now, as we kind of know. Same thing with Shanahan. And the Texans hired Lovey Smith. He was the defensive coordinator last year. He plans on keeping offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton there as well. And the last and final job, we filled eight out of nine, is the Saints. And the finalists we have here is Brian Flores, Benjamin, and Aaron Glenton. But I believe uh, defensive coordinator Dennis Allen is the true favorite at this point. Um, from what I've heard, I think he's going to probably get the job. Ultimately, I'm not sure what day, but I'm sure pretty soon now since they're the last team. That's left. interesting. When I looked it up, like I saw the three finalists that they had, at least this, this website listed, they didn't have Dennis Allen. That's interesting. I mean, obviously, I think he's well-deserved for the job, though. I, I think Dennis Allen, too. And we, we saw him coach the one game against the Bucks on Sunday Night Football, and they had that 9 nothing victory when Peyton had COVID. So that was also, you know, a good stamp. And the defense played incredible the that game. The defense has always been really well, though, too. So I think that's – yeah. That would be an uninspiring hire to me. They need a new face in that building. They need they need to restart, refresh everything. The Saints, I think the Saints have a good culture. Honestly, the one thing I've kind of like noticed when I'm like like through the through the outside. I mean, is do, the do they have, have a good, good culture? culture? Look at look at the faces of their team. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Is that a good? I don't culture? know. Like Cam, I think Cam Jordan's like the face of the team, and like at least one you he like look at the videos of like the locker room. It feels like oh. the way they talk about like the team. I think I think the culture is pretty good. Obviously, I think Alvin Sean Kamara, Payton was kind of. I think Sean Payton was kind of holding everything together, and I think they're going to spiral. And Drew yeah, Brees, I well, think they don't have a quarterback. They're paying a tight end $15 million to start a quarterback. Uh, they're mm-hmm. way over the cap. Marcus Williams will be gone. Teron Armstead will probably be yeah. gone. Michael Thomas, we don't even know if he wants to play again. Kamara mm-hmm. just got locked up. 
So they're kind of in a bad spot and they don't that's have, I think I would just offense. hit the reset button, bring in new faces yeah. everywhere. I don't, that'd be a really uninspiring hire to me, but um, I mean, I don't know. I just want to talk about this McDaniel hire. This kind of came out of nowhere. Everybody seems to like it, but I'm just very hesitant with these guys that come from like Shanahan or like, I mean, like we saw like with Matt Nagy, like when you come from a guy like Andy Reid, who you know is like designing the whole offense, like Shanahan, like that's his offense. I don't know. Yeah, like, but that, I mean, the Bengals, the, the Bengals did the same thing with Zach Taylor and they're in the Super Bowl. So I know. I, it's just very hit or miss. I'm very hesitant about really it. Good though, right? The McVay coaching with Brandon Staley. Yeah. And same with Shanahan. Offense. Shanahan. Shanahan's have been been good as well. I'll say this about the whole Debo and Jalen Waddle thing. It's not happening. Debo no, Samuel. No, yeah, hold on. Just, just hear me out. Debo Samuel weighs 216 pounds. He can play between the tackles and, you know, kind of, he's durable enough to take the hits. Jalen Waddle is 183 pounds. He's more of a skinny type receiver. Like he's not going to run between tackles, guys. Let's stop the, the whole notion of, oh, Jalen Waddle's the next Debo Samuel. No, yeah, that's, every that's, player that's, has that's their own. That's outlandish. You can't just say a guy's going to become the best offensive player in the NFL. Just because one, yeah, one coach from the yeah, other. Yeah. <laughs> that's but not how that works. McDaniel but. did design the plays in San Francisco. Didn't call plays, but he designed the plays. So interesting well, he to helped, see. If, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'd hope he did something. <laughs> You know, interesting you know, like, to see if um maybe you know uh what's it called like another Dolphins receiver could play some type of running. It's interesting well, to they see. They could also draft somebody to fit that yeah, mold. Yeah, I feel yeah, exactly. Yeah, Traylon Burks, uh, the wide receiver from Arkansas, I believe it is. He kind of fits that same model. He's big, uh, can definitely run between the tackles and play in that spot. So I don't know. I mean, I do I do like the hire though. It was between him and Kellen Moore. I believe those were the finalists. But as a head coach accepting the job in Miami to me would have been something I would never would have done. And I can tell you why the owner is obsessed with the general manager. First of all, you're in a bad cap situation. You don't have a first round pick this year. Your offensive line's bad and you're limited at quarterback because two is not that great. And look what they just did to Brian Flores down in Miami. You're going to perform better than that. Somehow make the playoffs with this roster. That's really not that good. Uh, they were playing over expectation because of the last coach. To me, I would never accept that job. And I understand coaches want their first shot and stuff, but it's a very, very hard place to succeed, especially when the owner is so obsessed with the general manager for some reason. It mm-hmm. makes no sense. Yeah, I would I, I would still with. take the job, though. I mean, and I think Mike McDaniel, you said it was kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people had kind of like wanted – a lot of Dolphins fans actually liked Mike McDaniel, so I think that's a, a good hire. I mean, just an offensive well, mind. So do I, but I just think – you know, I'm concerned because his ceiling is very limited. Shot. Yeah. Based on how is his ceiling limited though? Just based on the situation around him. Oh, okay. I, I can see that. That one, the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, with, with Tua, yeah. I don't know. It's tough. I just, Tua, I just told you. I mean, Tua, the offensive I mean, line, no first round pick. The owners I know, obviously like the whole thing Flores went through where like yeah. they, they didn't, they didn't like him. They saw it with the general manager on everything. Like you're just well, yeah, limited. Steven Ross is a complete clown. I mean, like, he yeah, loves, and you're just limited in that so much. Chris Greer. GM. Yeah, Chris Greer. Yeah, like, Greer. I've never seen someone draft so badly, but like keep his job. But like, that's the, what I the, said. That's literally what I just said. That's why I was questioning. You know, I and I get it. He wants a shot as a head coach, but it's a tough situation to be able yeah, to succeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Kevin O'Connell is a good hire for the Vikings as well. I'm a big fan of the McVay and Shanahan tree, but it's interesting because this is kind of a team that is already established as like a championship contender. I think somebody like Harbaugh could have came in and really taken this team over the top, but you know O'Connell. They don't have a young quarterback. They have Kirk Cousins, who has $45 million left. He's on an expiring deal. Then they have Kellen Mond, who they drafted last year. 
I don't know. It's kind of a tough situation. They also don't have a great offensive line. So we'll see. But um, and then the Texans, the I really think a potential contender, but like based on what? It's a talented roster. No, they've they, underperformed they, with Mike yeah. Zimmer for sure. So they won nine they games, right? Underperformed because maybe they're just not a good team. No, but like, no, but hold on. Like, they, I know, I know you are uh, graph. Okay. I already know graph hates the what if just limited quarterback and their defense the, isn't very good. They lost on a game winning field. They missed a game winning field goal versus a card. Oh, but here we go with this again. We talk about no, this they, every they year. Could have won, the they could have won 11, 12 games though. This team's talented. You look at the roster though. It's talented. They're did you not predict this team to make the playoffs? So the Chargers. People did. They're, they're, a capable, uh, they're, they're a talented roster, though. You could say we've that. We've been like, saying this for four seasons now, and they've won eight, no, 10, I, I and eight games. Send, I don't think that we've been saying this for four. I mean, they made the playoffs two seasons in the last, like, four years, I would assume. Right? They've won some playoffs in the last four years. They've won some playoffs. We're, we're still hanging on to the, the team that made the NFC Championship game, like, five years ago. Like, at that point, like, I'm not, I was in high school. the team that made the divisional round? The team that beat the Saints. You know, that was, like, two years ago. Okay, yes, that oh, was three I mean, years ago. Ta- yeah. This is a talented team, though. Like, you're missing the point. They have, like, some I'm not missing the point. Like, this is like the same thing with the Chargers. Like, we just hang on to talent. How about results? Like, win a football game. They lose every close yeah, game, but they're not I, that good. A head, a head quarterback co- and their defense is underperformed. A head coach can change that, considering Mike Zimmer was obviously yeah. a very big part of the problem. We'll see. He's a defensive guru. They couldn't figure out their defense after making all those moves in free. Agents. I just think the point is he's not inheriting a bad roster. He's inheriting it's a roster. Bad, it's one of the better situations, but like people think that like a coach is going to take the team to the Super Bowl, and I don't. No, I just think I that know. somebody like Harbaugh, Harbaugh really could have helped this team. I to me, O'Connell, I think would have been better off going somewhere with a young quarterback and you know kind of restarting and doing everything on his own. But remember, he worked with uh, Kirk Cousins back in Washington, so they have some familiarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Fair. Also, just te- oh my bad. Oh, you yeah, read Texans. Yeah, I want to talk yeah, about that. Lovey Smith, but I, I don't know. Like we talked about this before on text. They this seems like a backtrack move that they really wanted uh, beef flow, and then the whole lawsuit thing came up, and then they were like, "Nah, this can't happen." And then they knew they would have got a ton of backlash if they hired McCown, who has no previous coaching experience, especially after the whole lawsuit thing. So they basically kept the same coaching staff as last year. Fired David Cully. Lovey Smith's the head coach now, and they're keeping Pep Hamilton at offensive coordinator. So pretty much the same situation that they were in last year. But you know, Lovey Smith's record as an NFL coach is not good. It's it's not. He's he was terrible. He's over five hundred, and he's coaching a Super Bowl. He's over five hundred. What team? It was the Bears, right? Yeah, the Bears in 06. He's 89 and eighty seven as a head coach. He's he coached with the Bears and Bucks, right? Bears. A lot of the players I saw on Instagram from the Texans defense were like really, really excited over this. So I, I, yeah, don't I mean, he, I thought he was a pretty good DC last year. And, and if we're being realistic, he's way more qualified for the job than David Coley. Like with all due respect, that guy was like a wide receivers coach for a bunch of teams that didn't really perform. Whereas zero, Smith that's had a zero touchdowns, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's been a pretty solid head coach for a while. So I think he's way more deserving of the job. Um, but like that being said, like same thing, if I'm the Texans, I probably would have looked outside the building and hit the reset button. Cause it seems like this is going to be the type of move where again, he's going to get fired in a year or two, you know, yeah. like Lovey Smith is not a long-term option for this. I team. think they're general. I think Casaro is going to get fired after next year too. I think next year they'll have a new head coach, new general manager and Bryce Young at quarterback. Cause they'll, they'll probably get the first three coaches in three years. Yeah. I, I really four, do. Four coaches it's in it's, like, it's, it's going to be four coaches in four years with, I could see it. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But no, the one thing that's confusing to me is you were so quick to fire David Coley. There had to be a reason you didn't just fire him so quickly in the reason in like Frank said, it's because they wanted Flores. Like they fired him as soon as Flores got fired. That wasn't a coincidence. And now you're kind of settling for Lovey Smith. It just feels like such a weird move to make. 
Like you're, you're literally like, I don't, I don't understand this. You didn't fire your head coach to sign your defensive coordinator. That, that could not have been intentional. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would probably agree. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Mailbag Monday. Real quick, we'll make it fast because obviously we are running a little bit late, but let's uh, answer some questions real quick, shall we? And uh, like always, guys, if you do um, you know, want to uh, drop some questions for us, go to our YouTube channel, click the community tab, and you know, type away, and, and we'll answer it. The first question we got from our man, um, well, the, the, um, the White Wall Podcast, they said, will sticking with Ryan Tannehill hold the Titans back from winning in the playoffs? I think yes. Of course it will. Of course it yeah. will. Yeah. I think we've seen it before. That's the reason why they lost to the Bengals. They got through three interceptions. It's just yeah. not good. Our man Sean, the RC mechanic, oh, asked. Wait, hold on. They just oh. named Ball and DeJounte Murray the all-star game replacements. Oh, okay. look who is that right. right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Let's funny. go. And then um, our man... Sean, the RC mechanic asked, if you're the Eagles GM, would you trade some of your first rounders for Calvin Ridley? I would definitely trade one. I'm sorry, who? The Eagles? Eagles GM. Would you trade one of your first rounders for Calvin Ridley? I mean, probably, honestly. But, I mean, honestly, he's a bit of a question mark, but he's really talented. And then pairing him with, um, you know, Devontae Smith. He's better. He's going to be better than your first round pick will be. I'm sorry. Probably, got- but if I'm the Eagles, I'd probably worry more about a potential quarterback replacement. I don't know if that's really in their cards this offseason. They have three but- first round picks, though. They have a ton yeah, of- but yeah, like once again, like, do you want any of these quarterbacks? Honestly, like if I'm a team, oh. Malik Willis is my guy right now, just based off what I've been reading and what I've been seeing. But I've it's, seen the it's, same. Yeah, it, it's still it's still a very cloudy, you know, I've- situation. I've also read that, uh, you know, a lot of evaluators around the league don't believe that there's a starting quarterback in this draft class. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know. like, yeah, I don't like the quarterbacks in this draft class. I haven't, I've watched like Malik Willis is the guy I've watched a little I mean, bit. Right. Next year, you're going to have Bryce Young and potentially Caleb Williams. Poss- no, nah, not Caleb Williams yet, but Bryce Young next year. I mean, Bryce Young was, it's incredible. He just won the highest. Bryce Young is definitely going to be I mean, he won the highest again. Alabama. In a pro style system already. I mean, he's a can't miss next year. Yeah. Oh, sure. we heard that same thing about Trevor Lawrence, though. Okay, Trevor Lawrence is fine. Relax. Our, our man Chop Parsley asked, um, "Are you, you know, reading too much? Are are we gonna read into Kyler Murray unfollowing the Arizona Cardinals I on Instagram, that. guys? I mean, I you just post something about that on the SSP Instagram story, I believe. I, I I, I, I did not. No, no. I, unless like someone hacked our account and posted that. <laughs> I don't think so. But I must have. I saw that on some sports. Some, some stories. Some, yeah, okay. Okay. It was and the game day NFL. Cause I saw this. Cause Julius Randle did the same thing. He yeah, oh, yeah, stat, the, yeah. Stat Muse on Twitter posted like Julius Randle and Kyler. There Murray. you go. There you go. Yeah. Dude, get so, the fuck out of here, Randle. I don't know. I, it, it, it does really make you question like, why would he go to the team's page and then click on follow? Like that's kind of weird. He's like on a rookie contract. He's going to be there for a while. Like he can't just leave in his like third year. I, I'm like, like you don't like unfollow someone on Instagram like accidentally though. Like I don't know. Yeah, it makes you like say like it makes you like uh, confirm. And he removed all the posts, so he had to go click like delete or remove. Yeah, them. I mean, it's, all posts of Cardinals. Put an effort. He yeah. put an effort to removing the Cardinals from like his persona, and that's interesting. Well, his PR team could have done it, but he definitely directed them then. So. Oh yeah. come on, dude! No players have control of their own Instagrams. Everyone yeah, acts like they most don't. Of them do. Like, yeah, like they, it's obvious they do, dude. Like, they, they, yeah, they but they're told actions. what, like, to post and what they're not, not to, like, dude. Like, they're not told, they're not like robots. Like, they, like, they know how to, like, like, be their own person. Like, they're not told what to post. They might be told what not to post, 
but they're not told what to post. Like they could post whatever the hell they want. I don't know. Like if they're playing video games or if they're like playing car, I don't know. Why but, um, hire a PR team to have, you know, them do shit for you. No, I think what a lot of players do, which is really smart is like, they have like, I think Kyler does it, which is smart. Like he has like a, um, a video editor. And that's like, that's something I would do. If I was an athlete, I would hire like a graphics team. Like I would just hire a production team to like make like hype videos for me. That's like, exactly what Brady yeah, does. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like Brady does exactly. Like you don't, you don't have to have, but dude, come on. Like you act like these athletes are like, like bro, these athletes are like literally like very well more than capable than just controlling their own Instagram. Well, yeah, and that's my I'm point. I'm telling you the reality. That's they what they, they do. Don't, they don't have, so you think their Twitter, so they tweet, a lot of athletes just tweet like normal people do. They have people that do stuff they don't, like a Bruce. I'll say this. I don't, know. I, 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 don't... Sure, I just seriously disagree with that. And like one example I can think of is Nikola Vucevic. He like tweets the most random things. Exactly, like he does yeah. have a PR team tweeting that. Like he, he tweets about like like Bitcoin and like oh what he tweeted about something the other day, like nothing basketball related whatsoever. Like you wouldn't have that if you yeah, weren't. I like think a... they only have they're the only ones with their login. They might be like sent videos, like Brady sent videos by like the video editor to like post, but they're the only ones with their login. Like they don't, mm-hmm. they, cause you saw actually a funny thing is on like the, you know how when NBA players are drafted in like the Tassat commercial, like it's like the, we're next with oh, the watch, the watch, the, the watch, watch, right? Yeah. So apparently like DeAndre Ayton, when he like had to make that post, cause he made the post, like confirming that there was no agent behind his post. He, by actually like copy and pasted the template they sent him on text and he's like, and it was like complete, like buy your draft watch now. It was like blank where you were supposed to put your name, like. I'm DeAndre Ayton. It just says I'm blank. It, like said I'm blank or whatever. Like it's like I'm mm-hmm. like type name here. So like they're obviously like told what to make. Maybe like a, a advertiser like uh Beats by Dre if they're doing an ad, they'll like get sent a text like okay make your caption this. But they're like the ones like who had the login for their account. Like, but yeah. Um, and then one more question to wrap up today's episode. Uh, let's see. We got a couple that are really good. So, um. I appreciate, we appreciate you guys. These are some awesome questions. The Twitch streamer bowl. I don't know. I mean, we don't know who's in it. I lo- I actually watched it in 2019, but um, let's see. Um, Steve Nash comments on James Harden trade. Kind of already talked about that. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm really just missing on these. Let's, there's a, uh, okay, let's just answer. Um, okay. Do you... Uh, I don't know. The, the, okay, let's just say this. Uh, is John ja, is ja Morant better than LeBron this season from NBA and NFL master? No. I don't oh, think God. LeBron's even been the problem this year. LeBron's averaging like 30 points a game. Yeah. No, 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 he's not better. Um, <laughs> pretty easy <pretty laughs> question to answer. All right. um, that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Sneaky Sports Podcast, season four, episode number 11 on this Uh, Monday, February 7th, excuse me, 2022. We'll catch you all in the next one. Make sure to follow our socials. Um, You know, rate this podcast five stars as always. Like this video. It does a lot for the algorithm. Subscribe to the channel. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas.